two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Good morning, church. I don't know how to follow that. Yeah, we, we, everybody has to do this now. Come on. <laughs> Why don't you stand up? We're going to worship the Lord together this morning.
first time coming we'd love to get to know you and there's a couple ways you can do that you can go out into the atrium and to the welcome desk and someone will be right there to speak with you also we've set up a digital platform and you will see the phone number 904-441-6900 you're going to text the word connect and that will take you to uh, on your on your phone a text and you'll just click on that link and you can fill out the card there. You'll also see on that, when you put the phone number in, you can put the word um, news and that will take you to a digital bulletin as well. And also we have work set up for you if you want information for men's Bible studies or men's events or women's, you can put men in the word and text that. And you can also put the word women and we also have one for the kids as well so we have a lot of opportunities for you to connect with us we'd love you to do that I just want to highlight a couple of things that will be going on in the next few weeks of the church April 5th on Wednesday night we have a worship time uh, if you've not ever been it's at 6 p.m. it's once a month we encourage you to come if you're not plugged in somewhere else on Wednesday night that is a great opportunity to come and worship also, you see me holding a card, and each one of you in your bulletin, 
Show me you have a card. You should have a card in your bulletin. Pull that out. We'd love for you to share that with a family member or a friend, or if you're like me, put it on your refrigerator too. So get more than one. We have more out in the atrium for you to take that card. You'll notice if you flip it over, you'll see it says Good Friday. That's a Good Friday service at 12 p.m. If you've never done that, that's a time of reverence with our Lord and Savior to come into a quiet place and just pray scripture. Um, just a great opportunity to do that. And then also Easter morning, we have all of our same services. So I encourage you the 8 o'clock, the 9 o'clock, and the 2 at 1030. So I encourage you to take that card and just share it with someone that you love. Appreciate you. Have a great week. Thank you. Well, good morning, church. So good to see you, whether you're on site or online. It was just six short months ago that we celebrated as a congregation, the Body of Christ here, our groundbreaking ceremony for our new family ministry center and our new rec center. And as you can see, if you'll give me the slide of the, as you can see, we've made much progress in our construction, but you can also see that we still have a long way to go to get to the finish line. Next slide also, if you'll show that next slide. We've also made much progress in reaching our financial goal of having $8.2 million before we occupy these two new buildings. We have gotten 5.6, so we still have a ways to go. We need $2.6 million in order to reach our $8.2 million financial goal. We can and we will get there if everybody participates. This entire campaign has been bathed in prayer and has been bathed in faith, but also it's based on sacrifice. Not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. What that looks to you may look different to another person. That's only between you and the Lord. But I would ask you to ask yourself, what can you sacrificially give one thing a week for the next year? That might be an iced coffee a week. It could be just instead of going out to dinner twice a week, just going out to dinner once a week and taking that and investing it in our For Generations to Come campaign. We've made it very easy for you to be able to give. Um, you'll see that QR code up in the top right. That's our new offering plate. You can use that by pulling your phone out and opening your camera and pointing it toward there, scanning it, and that'll take you directly to where you can weekly invest and participate. It's not about equal amount but it's about equal sacrifice. Thank you, and God bless you, church. Thank you, Lewis. And I, uh, I appreciate Lewis Fisher and the whole For Generations to Come team. You know, we're, we're doing the biggest thing we've ever done as church, putting this rec center up in this family ministry center. But it's not about a building. It's about reaching the next generation for Jesus Christ. He's doing amazing things. And if you look back behind this building, that's where the rec center will be. This week, this week, they're going to be pouring the foundation. Uh, they're going to be pouring the concrete for that. But, you know, also, we're laying the foundation for reaching kids for Christ. So sometime this week, there are going to be 20 concrete trucks pulling up to this place at 3 in the morning. I'm taking volunteers to take my email for this week. Anyone want, anyone want to answer my email? But, you know, praise the Lord. 
Praise the Lord, this is where we are, and we're just so thankful. Thank you for your generosity at this point, and, and uh, we'll keep going. Hey, uh, uh, one of the things I want to mention today is 20 years ago, you see this lady here, Judy Trippy. 20 years ago, she and Tony came to Anastasia, and uh, they made a tremendous impact, and she's made a tremendous impact in women's ministry since that time. 10 years ago, in March of 2013, we asked her to join the Anastasia team and join us on staff, and, and Judy's been leading us in women's ministry ever since. Well, she was leading before she came on staff, but uh, doing an amazing job, and we're marking 10 years of her being on the staff team, so thank you for your service here. We have uh, several things we want to, to present her with. We have, a, a, on behalf of the church, it's a little envelope there, and it has your name on it, and we actually wrote your name on that. We actually wrote it on a piece of paper inside there that you'll want to take a look at. Okay. okay. Thank you. And then also, um, we wanted to give her uh, a plaque. It says, Love Anchors All, and we give this to staff people marking those significant anniversaries. But what we do is people on the back write things, and the things they write are things like uh, dedicated leader, bold leader, love. Um, inspirational insight, mature Christian, fantastically. I see leadership all over this on the back of here. And we just thank you for your leadership. Let me present this to you. And thank the Lord for your leadership here at Anastasia Church the last 10 years. I asked him, ask him if I could say just a couple things this morning. I just wanted to thank you, Pastor Walter, for your vision for women's ministry way back when I came to you. And and we uh, split the missions and the ministry together. And I just thank you for your vision. And I thank you that we can go forward in ministry with each other and with the church. And I thank you, church. And I thank you, all you ladies. You're beautiful. Thank Amen. You. Amen. Thank you, Judy. Thank you. Oh, yeah. You know, we're, um, I want to share a few things before we move into the, the message here. Last week, we prayed over the Fontana Village in Haiti. And, and there were threats like, uh, I've never seen the concern so great about what was going on and, and concern about raids and concern about people trying to take over and concern about the, the safety of the kids and the staff and the orphanage. And I want you to know, I just talked to Shea Fontana before, before the service and praise God, nothing happened and it seems like the concerns are going down. He got it through. So prayer works. Amen. Amen. I know John, John and Aaron Ginn and the Fontanas, they're so... Uh, strongly involved in that and we thank you for your ministry there and thank you for your prayers and keep lifting them up that that threat totally goes away amen amen all right all right you know resurrection sunday two weeks away yeah, I'm looking forward to that. You know, two weeks, two weeks, we're going to celebrate Jesus is alive. However, you know, do know that Jesus already is alive, right? Yeah, he, he didn't just start being alive on Easter. He's always alive. I'm a Christian. You know what that means? Every day is Easter. Every day Jesus is alive and I can celebrate that. And I'm, I'm excited about that. Uh, we've been looking as we're approaching Resurrection Sunday. Those passages as Jesus was leading his way, leading, making his way to the cross. And uh, we've been looking at John 13, 14, 15, and 16. And all those important teachings that Jesus shared with his disciples just before he was crucified, just before he was arrested. And now we're moving from teaching to prayer. We're going into John 17. So I invite you to take your Bibles, turn to John 17. The teaching's done, okay? Now Jesus enters this time of prayer 
before the overwhelming events of his arrest, uh, his torture, his crucifixion, his death, the last thing he does, he prays. He prays with his disciples. So would you stand with me in honor of God's word? I'm going to just do a portion of this prayer this morning. John 17, starting at verse 1. This is what it says. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted his eyes up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you've given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you've given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I've manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they've kept your word. Now they know that everything that you've given me is from you. For I've given them the words that you gave me, and they've received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you've given me, for they're yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I'm glorified in them. And I'm no longer in the world. They're in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you've given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Lord Jesus, as we look at these words of prayer, that heartfelt connection between you and the Father, Lord, help us to take it in. Help us to understand your heart. Lord, help us to respond to your heart. Lord, help us to, to like the disciples, not only receive your words, but know them and believe in them and, and follow them through. And Lord, help us not only to be one, with each other. Help us to be one with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Maybe Do you hear the passion of Jesus in this passage? I mean, just hear the passion of, of what he's saying. He's, he's praying for us. You know, that's why so many scholars call this the Lord's Prayer. This is the real Lord's Prayer. What we look at in the Sermon on the Mount, that's the model prayer. That's how Jesus told us that we ought to be considering using as a model to pray. But this is the Lord's Prayer. This is Jesus pouring out his heart as he's praying, not only for the disciples, he's praying for us. We go further into this prayer. You'll see this later on in, in the following week, that he's praying for us as well. That's the heart of our Savior. And I'm so thankful that I have a Savior and a Lord who doesn't just rule over us, he loves us. He loves us. He sacrificed for us. What could be better than being in the care and protection of Jesus Christ? What could be better? That's what I want to talk about today. In, in the care of Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Redeemer, the Savior. What could be better than being in his care? That's what I want to talk about today. 
as we hear that prayer, what could be better? You know, I look at it, I look at verse 1 and 2. And uh, Jesus said to the Father, he said, Father, the hour has come. The hour has come. Now, you look in the uh, Greek. I, I'm a, a language nerd. I like to look in the original language. And so we look in that. And I see that, that the hour has come, that verb has come. It's in what's called the perfect tense. And what that means is it's talking about an action that happens but the effects of that action are continuing on. And so when it says the hour has come, what it means is the hour has come for Jesus to be glorified, but that hour has not left. It has come and it's continuing to be here. You know what that means? That when it says the hour has come for Jesus to be glorified, it is still here. This is still the hour for Jesus to be glorified. It is here. It's come right. It, it's, it's here right now. For it's, it's the time for the Father to be glorified, right? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. It's, it's the hour to praise the Lord. It's the hour to praise Jesus, that name above every other name. It's now is the time to praise. If you don't know of a, uh, of a time when, when it's going to be right to praise Jesus Christ, let me tell you, now is the time. There's no better time. He's Lord. He is now Lord. Do you realize that when we, we, we have an altar call here at the end of the service, and I invite people to come up. Jesus is not waiting for you and me to make him Lord of our lives. He already is. Some of us recognize it and some of us don't. I just want you to know, he's not running in 2024 to be Lord of your life. He already is Lord of your life. I hope all of you know that. But if you don't know that, let me tell you, he's the only one that has the power to give us eternal life. He, he's the one who, who, who's, who can give us life forever with him in heaven. The hour has come to recognize that. And so what I want to say to you, the first point, if you're using those sermon uh, notes in the bulletin, is this. There is no better time for being in Jesus. If you're not in Jesus now, if you're not trusting him now, if you're not following him now, there is no better time. You know... I was talking with someone the other week and, and, and they wanted to talk about a spiritual matter and we finished the spiritual matter in my office and, and then that person said, uh, by the way, since I have you here, I, I need to ask you, you know, I hear all this stuff about the banks. Do you think this is the right time to invest or not invest in banks? You go, you're asking me? I know nothing about finance, okay? That is not my gift. I know what the Bible says, but I don't know about investments and all that kind of stuff like, like many of you do. I don't know whether this is the right time to put in a bank or a treasury bond or a stock or anything like that. I'm muddling through with this stuff and trying to get the best advice I can. I don't know that, but let me tell you, I know it's the right time to invest in your soul in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. There is no better time to be in Jesus. You know what? When I'm in Jesus... I'm released from guilt. There's no better time to be released from guilt. When I'm in Jesus, I'm starting fresh. There's no better time to start fresh. Do you need a new start today? This is the day. This is the day you're hearing the word of the Lord. This is the day to start fresh, okay? And, and you know, there's, there's no better time for opening up your heart and, and having the peace of knowing that whatever happens here on earth, it's going to be okay in heaven. It's going to be beautiful in heaven. There's no better time to receive that peace. And if you have not yet trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I want to ask you this question. 
What in the world are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Are you waiting for things to get worse before you trust in Jesus? Why would you do that? Are you waiting for things to get better? Let me tell you, it's not going to be better without Jesus. Trust in Jesus now. There's no better time to be living a life in Jesus. That's the first thing I want to share with you. The second thing, I'm looking at verse 3. Listening to this amazing prayer. And uh, in this prayer, in verse 3, Jesus says, this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God. And Jesus Christ whom you've sent. This is the this is the definition of eternal life. Some people think that eternal life is, is what happens when, when you die and you're going to be in heaven. But eternal life starts the minute you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And what happens is the Holy Spirit comes into you and you start having the presence of the Lord with you. And, and you start a quality of life that is like never before. And it's a good life. And it goes on till the day you die. And then it continues on after you die. And it's a quality of life, and it's a quality of life of knowing who God is. Having a relationship with him. That, 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 just knowing who he is. And, you know, and, and I want to say, what kind of life do you want? Sometimes when I'm out and I'm sharing the gospel with somebody, this is something, Al-Qaeda, and I went to a conference, I learned this, and it sort of helped me because it resonates with me. I might talk to somebody and say, you know, uh, well, tell me how your life is going. And then in that conversation, say, you know, on a scale of one to ten, how would you rate your life today? And some people might say eight, or eight seven or eight. Some people might say a, 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 a four or five. And then they just ask them, tell me what's going on in your life. What's, what's going on that makes it like it is? And have a conversation. And if the time is right, I might say, you know, if you were to add God to the mix, do you think that number would go up or down? Yeah. And, uh, and, and it's amazing. Most people say, you know, if I had God in my life, I think that number would go up if they don't have God. I ask them what, what would make it better. They'd say, um, if I had more money, maybe that would make life better. Or, or if I had better relationships, you know, because relationships sometimes are hard. People, people say, I think my life would be better if my relations, if my, the people that are, I'm relative, that are my relatives aren't quite so stupid. I think if that were the case, my life uh, would be better. Uh, but, but do you think your life would be better knowing that you are being heard and known by the Father? Yes. Knowing that God's listening to me? Oh, my goodness. That makes life better. Having all my needs and aspirations heard and addressed for all eternity. Let me tell you, it's, it's not just knowing about God. It's knowing God. So the second point I want to make is this. There's no better life than knowing Jesus. There's no better life than knowing Jesus. There's no better time for being in Jesus, but there's no better life than knowing Jesus. My wife and I are planning a, a vacation, so we, we like driving trips occasionally. So we're planning a trip. We're going to do a little clockwise circle around Lake Michigan. We've not been up to that area, but while we're going to Lake Michigan, we have a goal. One of the goals is... I'm looking as we go through Wisconsin, you know, that's dairy country. I'm trying to find the finest ice cream in all of Wisconsin. That's my goal. I want to find the best ice cream store in all of Wisconsin, okay? And so, yeah. That's because I, want, I, want, I want, to, want to make it memorable. You know, I want, I want the best. I want the best life. That's what Jesus wants for you. 
I hear that in that prayer. In John 10, he said, I'm come that they might have life and have it abundantly. He wants you to have a good life. You know, sometimes people will say that, that uh, life in Christ is restricting. It's not restricting. No, I, I, it's, it's something of contentment. Um, and, and this life is not a practice life. I'm not getting ready to have another life on earth. This is it. And this is an important part of life. It's an important part of eternal life. I'm not just practicing for heaven. This is still part of my life. It's a small part of my life, but this is not a practice life on earth. And there's no better life than being in Jesus and knowing Jesus, you know. And I want it to continue into heaven. It's a life of peace. It's a life of assurance. And, you know, and of all the promises of heaven, most of them, I'm not going to know them here in this life. Most of the promises, they're going to be fully, uh, fully given over to me, fully realized while I'm in heaven. But let me tell you, there's no better life than knowing Jesus. In verse 4 and 5, Jesus said, I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work you gave me to do. Having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Jesus did the work God gave him to do. Redemption, salvation, that was his work. His work while he was here on earth was make that path. And then also setting in the motion, setting in the motion the plan for passing that that eternal life to other believers into future generations and setting up church, setting up disciples in that pattern where disciples are teaching disciples who'll teach disciples to teach disciples and spread the good news throughout the world. That's what he's doing. So he accomplished the work that, that God the Father called him to do. And I want to ask myself, am I accomplishing the work that the Father wants me to do? And what is that work? Go, therefore, and make disciples, right? A core value of our church is, is where disciple-making is our mission. That's what we say. Jesus is the way, the Bible is the map, and disciple-making is our mission. And just remember, a disciple is someone who has faith in Jesus Christ. A disciple is someone who is being transformed by the presence of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit in their lives. And a disciple is someone who is engaged in Christ's mission. So it starts with people having faith in Jesus Christ. And so there's evangelism there. There's sharing faith. That's what's, that's what's so important. That's the first, stop, uh, first step of helping people become disciples. It's sharing faith. And I, I got to ask the question, am I accomplishing the work? Are you accomplishing the work? Because there is no better task than sharing my faith in Jesus. You know, for years, I would, um, and this is in high school, I'm about the age of 10, I, I kind of got serious about my faith. I, it just, it's just an important part of me. For some reason, even from the age of 10, it came more important to me at 16. There was a, uh, a retreat, that sort of a mission trip that sort of honed that in on me. But I want you to know, the pastor occasionally would say, you know, you need to share your faith. You need to share your faith. And he said, by next week, you need to go and share your faith with someone. Tell them about Jesus. And I would always feel very, very, very guilty when the pastor said something like that. And the reason I felt guilty, because I knew that when I came back the next week, I would not have shared my faith with somebody. And I'd go back and feel like, man, what a failure am I? And this went on into college. This went on even into the first year of seminary. And then my church offered a course in how to share faith. What the problem was, was not that I didn't want to share faith. I didn't know how. I didn't know how to do it right. I didn't know. I mean, there's not like a right way, wrong way, but I didn't, I didn't know how to get into a conversation. I didn't know. And so I took this, this version of evangelism explosion, EE, and it transformed my life. 
It, tra- it opened up a whole new avenue of my life. I remember the first time I shared the gospel. It wasn't even in the team that I was assigned to. It was the team that my wife, Elisa, was assigned to. And she got into a home because at that time she was seven or eight months pregnant, I think. They let her into every home, put her feet up, gave her water, whatever. And they went to some lady that then she only spoke Spanish and they didn't speak Spanish. They said, she can come back, bring someone to speak Spanish. Well, I don't speak Spanish well. But I, 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 I'm good at broken Spanish, I guess. And so I went. They said, come back tomorrow. And I came back. And I, I had a track that was in Spanish. I practiced all day reading through that track. And I want you to know, I went back with them that day. And it was the most awkward, weird <laughs> situation sharing the gospel. You know what happened? She prayed to receive Jesus Christ as Lord. It wasn't about me. It's the gospel is powerful in itself. And I saw firsthand, there is nothing better than seeing someone experience spiritual birth. There's nothing better than seeing someone where the light comes on and they pray to receive Jesus Christ as the Lord. They receive salvation for the first time. If you've not been there, you need to do that. And if you don't know how If that's what's keeping you back, Al, would you just stand up for a second? Stand up, please. See that guy. Yeah, he'll help you with the training. If you just don't know how, I understand that. I have been there. But let me tell you, when you you share your witness, you receive power. Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth. There is power in sharing. There's no better task. And if you're doing other things, you're working during the day, well, you're sharing Jesus while you're working, okay? You're sharing the Lord, whatever you're doing. There's no better task than sharing faith. If you say, I'm too busy, I'm a family man, I got kids, hey, your kids need Jesus. Sharing faith with them, you know, whatever it is. Verse 6, 7, and 8. Jesus said, I manifested your name to the people who you gave me out of the world. Yours they were. And you gave them to me. They've kept your word. Now they know that everything you've given me is from you. I see a transformation that's going on here. Verse 8, look what they did. For I have given them the words that you gave me. So they, they were given the words. They received them. They came to know in the truth. And they believed. They started experiencing faith. And, and that faith, that, that word is faith. That's, a, that's where you take that, what you believe and you put it into action. This is transformation. This is a picture of disciple making. And I want you to know, this is taking the truth of Jesus and living it out. And, and you know, Jesus makes life better. He changed my life for the best. And there is no better life-changing truth than Jesus Christ. If you want your life to be better... You're not going to find it in a better place than looking straight to Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. You know, there are self-help books is a big business. And I'm not saying anything against self-help books. They can bring, uh, bring some reality and truth to, to people's lives. So I'm not saying don't look at a self-help book. There are some that are secular. There are some that are spiritual. And because all of us want to be better. I want to be better. You know, uh, in everything in my life, I don't, I don't want to... I don't want to just slouch through life. I want to be the best that I possibly be. And, 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 and so if I want to be better and I want to put some help into my life, let me just say this. Start with Jesus. Start with Jesus. 
Um, there are a lot of people in our culture that think that accepting the truth of Jesus is like being put in a straitjacket. Because there are a lot of behaviors, because I'm a follower of Jesus, there are a lot of behaviors I don't take part in. You know, because I'm a follower of Jesus. And it's not because I'm in a straitjacket and Jesus is confining me from doing those things. It's because Jesus has freed me from those behaviors. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to take part in those. You know, Jesus, there's, there's freedom in Jesus Christ. You know, I know that I'm saved no matter what I do other than rejecting Jesus Christ. And Lord, I know my salvation is not at risk, but if I'm really trusting in Jesus and I value the relations that I have, I am freed from those things that dull my mind. I'm free from those things that bring guilt and risk into my life. I'm free. Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Now the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. You know, when, when I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and, and Jesus is that, that place where I start with, I receive a little bit of his glory, the truth of his glory. And as I grow, he reveals more of that glory. One day I'm going to be in his presence. Praise the Lord for that. There is no better life-changing truth than Jesus Christ. You know, we don't want to be conformed to this world, but be transformed. So I just want to say, let the words of Jesus, let the power of Jesus, let the Holy Spirit bring freedom to your life. There's no better life-changing truth than Jesus. If you want to make a change in something in your life, I don't know what it is. I just want to say this. Start with Jesus. Start with Jesus. Verses 9 through 11. Jesus said, I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world. You know what the world is? Well, the world is that part of culture that's under the influence of sin and death. Okay. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you've given me for their years. Jesus prayed for his disciples in a few weeks. You're going to find that he's praying for us as well in the middle of this. Okay. And uh, Jesus prayed, and he, and he prayed. Think about what he did. He prayed for us. He made a way for us to be into heaven. He took away the guilt of all our sins, our sins. And, you know, the sins are the things that keep us from, the sins are the things that keep us from having that perfect relationship with God. They separate us from the Lord. He takes away the consequences of all of that. All of that. Our sins, our actions. Think about what is it that's keeping you from that perfect spiritual life. Jesus didn't come to condemn you in that. He wants to heal you from that. He wants to heal you from that. That's his heart. And so I just want to say to you, there's no better Savior than Jesus. You're looking for something to rescue you. There's no better Savior than Jesus Christ, okay? Because in Hebrews 4, it says, we have this great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. You know, he, for we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, and yet without sin. What could be better? As I'm listening to this prayer, having a Savior that loves me and empathizes with me. Some of you have come into church and, and you, you're dealing with some things in your life and they're very private, embarrassing things. You don't want anybody to know. And you feel like you have to hold them to yourself because 
people will judge you. I'm just praying that this is a congregation, this is a body of believers that understands that we're all weak. We all need help. And Jesus doesn't want us to be a hypocrite. We have a Savior that's gone through the muddy parts of life. He did it without sin. Now, we're not, we're not Jesus Christ. We're not as successful as he is, but we can be forgiven of all that. He knows what it is. And he's taking that away. Do you want to be released from everything that's holding you back spiritually? It's a journey. I understand that. It starts with Jesus. And that's the best way to go. That's the path. There's no better path. And there's no better time. I just want to ask you to stand right now. If you need, if you need to take a step of faith publicly, I invite you to come up here and pray. You're certainly welcome to pray. He can take the ashes that we have, the hard parts of our life, and he can turn it into a garden paradise. He wants that for you. If you want to come forward during the song, I'll be glad to meet with you and pray with you. We have counselors that will help you take a step of faith. Whatever God is calling you to do, you can give it to him. You can lay it at his feet and he'll make life new and it'll be the best. Do you want that today? If you want that today, don't let another moment go without trusting in Jesus. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this time that we can praise you and pray to you and look to you and trust in you and lean on you. And Lord, if someone needs you, Lord, I pray that they are running to your arms right now and seeing the beautiful thing that you're going to do in their lives. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, amen. You come if God's calling. Why search the world? You couldn't fill me. Man's empty prayers, the treasures that fade, never enough. And you came along and put me.
Okay, but yeah, if he starts talking, let's just, we, we can change what we're doing. 